This is an Island to Island production. I'm Ollie Walker and welcome to Ironcast, the show that brings you discussions with craftsmen, denim heads, retailers, members of the internal and extended Ironheart family, and, well, sometimes people we just plain like. In episode 8, we're talking to Ironheart Forum moderator, Ruben Cleaver. We talk about life in Norway, his time as a new model army acolyte, and... Clogs. This is an Island to Island production, hosted and edited by me, Ollie Walker. You're listening to Ironcast. Enjoy. So, hey, what are you drinking? I am drinking um, a bottle of uh, Nugna, uh, which is a Norwegian uh, brewery. Uh, a big ass bottle of their um, wild uh, reserve saison. So, if you're a beer nerd, then that'll mean something to you. If you're not, then, you know. Uh, but it. No, they're um, they're uh, they're one of the one of the they're like Norway's biggest craft brewery, yeah. Okay. Um, and they do good stuff. All right. So, yeah. where can you find that? Uh, in in the UK, I, I'm sure there are bottle shops that have it. I'm sure that there will be some bars who specialize in this kind of thing that'll have it. But you'll find it in the bottle shops in Norway. I mean, Norway's got a really weird alcohol. Um, policy so anything over 4.5 percent you have to go to a state-run um a state-run highly regulated shop to buy that's the same in sweden right uh yeah yeah systembolag is called in sweden yeah it's a similar thing apparently it's the same in canada too um so like um you know the americans have three two like 3.2 percent um so in norway it's in, yeah, right. In Norway, it's four five. So four five is all you can buy in the shops, and as soon as it gets over that, then it's um, it's the state-run monopoly. Yeah. And what's it like there at a weekend? Are people just just rushing the the, the joint. It's actually really nice because the, the good thing about it, the really good thing about it, is that because it's run by the state and this is and this is Norway <laughs> there's a whole load of ideas behind this right about what they're supposed to do so they're not supposed to promote alcohol as as um, as like a drug mm-hmm. or as a, you know because they accept that it's bad for your health mm-hmm. but they're supposed to promote it as something that is an experience and a, like a positive thing you know right great. and um, so the people who work there are really really competent they're very very well trained they know what we're talking about they get sent to france to do the wine stuff to, to spain to italy and to study the wine right. and the, the the beer people there know an awful lot about beer it's um so they're really really knowledgeable clever people and they're not there to sell you shit they're there to like you know give you what you want give you what you need so it's i love going there man i know everybody in my local one by name first name basis yeah, and really. uh, it's a social experience when i go there so where, where for the listeners where are you in the world because you're not in the I, uk but you sound like you're welsh uh that's right um i was born in wales 1973 47 years old now and uh lived there until i was about 12 uh, 13 uh, and then i moved up to uh to liverpool and uh, and lived in Liverpool for a good old time, 
um, came up there and moved to Norway uh, 20 years ago um, and, and came straight to uh, a town um, called Borda, which is about 150 kilometers north of the Arctic Circle, actually. So, yeah. So, um, all the way, I mean, and, and, it, and the mad thing is that's still only halfway up the country. There's still 50% of the country, you know, north of me. Um, so we get the, um, we get the midnight sun in summer. So 24 hour daylight for six, seven weeks. And, um, and obviously the, the other side of that particular, uh, coin is, is, is darkness and no sun, um, uh, for most of December and January. So we're just out of that now. And how's that? Different. <laughs> it's different. I mean, I've been here 20 years, so I've done it 20 times, and it's still different. It's it's good, man. It, it's, it's interesting. I actually find the, um, in many ways, the summer, where it's light all the time, to be more disturbing to my like natural rhythms than the darkness. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, the darkness, you just get on with it, man. You know, you, you know what, you know what it's about. It's, it's, it's going to be kind of, um, it's going to be sort of weird. It's going to be kind of, you go into your shell a little bit, but you have a lot of focus on spending time with people, making it nice indoors, getting out and doing nice things where you can. And, um, and you have Christmas in the middle of it, which is always, you know, a lovely time. Yeah, so it's nice. The, actually, the worst time of the year for, um, for me personally, and this was pointed out to me by a colleague a while back, that's actually the time we're coming into now, man. April and May are the worst. Really? Because, why? yeah, right. Because, I'll tell you why. Because right now uh, we're moving towards the equinox, you know, so we're moving towards 12 hours and 12 hours. Yeah. So it's getting lighter and the sun's back and that's great. But it's still winter, right? It's like minus five out there and it's full of snow and, and that kind of thing. And that's going to hang around until May. So in May, you have this situation where the light has, has, has switched it's light until really late at night, okay? In, in May, it's like, it's still light at midnight when you go into bed. The sun's gone down, but it's still light. And it's still fucking two degrees centigrade. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you, you've got this glorious light and it's bloody freezing um, or there's storms rolling in or, or whatever. And like June is like a spring month here, you know? Um, so summer doesn't really start until, until July. Um, really yeah and then it's finished by august (laughs) (laughs) august is an awesome month pretty much wow so you spend all the year just 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 gearing up for july basically yeah yeah it's like well yeah yeah i mean in a way the, the, the the thing i love about living here is um is that the seasons are really dynamic and they're really sort of um uh, everything changes all the time. You know, the light's changing, the temperature's changing, um, the colours, the leaves on the trees, uh, all this kind of thing. So you have these defined seasons and this dynamic light um, and it's always moving and it's always interesting and it's it's normally pretty beautiful as well. Um, it can be it can be brutal. It can be brutal too. I mean, uh, you get some mad storms coming through um, and uh, like I say, a lot of snow, a lot of ice and, uh, and so on. Wow, oh, God. So are you, have you got any holidays planned or, is, or is, is Norway at the moment sufficient? 
Um, well, I mean, <laughs> I was I was talking to Giles actually, Padmore, the other day, and and Paula, and was saying that as soon as I'm allowed to go anywhere, obviously Corona's um, putting knockers on on travelling. Then then Gosport's going to be my um, yeah first destination, you know. Yeah. And then Paula said, no, we're coming to see you in Norway. So uh, yeah, yeah, they're probably just but I, I, sick I, of it. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's like I, I tell my wife that you know, when we're allowed to travel again, then I'm taking you to gospel, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Giles basically said that he's gonna have the party to end all parties when we're able to all travel, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate. Um, uh, come summertime, then, um, when hopefully things are a little bit better as well, um. Norway's a big country, so uh, I tend to take my family on a driving holiday every year anyway. So uh, it's a beautiful country to drive around, and we have family and friends all over the country. So sometimes we just jump in the car and pack a load of stuff down and, and you know, drive like five, six hours a day. And no way. Yeah, it's good. So we'll this, probably be doing that this summer. I had this um, idea. I went to this motorcycle trip, and I feel like it was Oslo was the was where it would begin or where it would end because there were, there's these roads and these ridiculous bridges that seem to just go up and curve round like what is this a yeah. particular area or is this just throughout well i mean um obviously norway's like a lot of coast and there's a lot of fjords and uh they've developed um a system of bridges and roads that do skirt almost the whole coast um so you're going to get that kind of thing more or less up and down the whole coast when you get up to where i live it tends to go from bridges to ferries so there's uh, a lot of stop starting yeah but that must be um, quite exciting though just boom, put the car put the motorbike on a ferry yeah taking the yeah view. yeah it's cool yeah it's cool it's good it's good i mean um it can take time it can you know create problems but it's uh, it's kind of exciting as well but i think i suspect um what you're talking about is the atlantic highway i think it's called okay and that's actually um, down, uh, not far from Orlesund, where my wife's family live, um, Christiansen and all that kind of thing. And that's quite famous. That's quite a famous road, quite a famous drive. Um, yeah. And it's, it's incredible. And it is just this series of, uh, of bridges that hop from one harm, one island to the next. Uh, and you feel like it's almost kind of science fiction, you know, you're just driving yeah. over the sea from, from cliff to cliff. It's crazy, man. Crazy. It's good. Yeah. If if um if 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 one wanted to go to to Norway, um, where would you recommend? Where would you say is the place is like the first stop and the next stop, the first two stops there? First two stops. Um, I think that um, I think that there's an area around um, around Orlesund where my wife's family lives, mm. um, which is pretty famous with these um i think what probably most people is, is associate with fjords uh Geiranger, these incredibly sharp-sided mountains going straight down into the sea mm. um God, there's wow. this uh, very famous uh area there trollvegen or the trolls wall which uh, people do the um the base jumping off that kind oh, of thing really? uh yeah they just it's, it's like a sheer drop of i don't know how many meters and people just throw themselves off the top of it and sail down uh the, the scenery on there is amazing and the other place i think people probably a lot of people have heard of and uh it's it's become quite popular but it really is stunning and that that's the lawforten islands or the lawforten archipelago which right. is not that far from where i live um 
it's a couple of hours by ferry from from the town I live in uh, over the fjord and it's just this archipelago that reaches off the um, off the coast of Norway where the mountains just shoot straight up from the sea basically um, and uh, on the on the uh, on the west side then it goes straight out in the Atlantic you know on the east side it's a little bit calmer and um, it's stunning. So you got a lot of surfing on the west side, some amazing surfing uh, all year round on the uh, on the west side, <laughs> and then on the uh, on the east side, which faces towards the Norwegian mainland. Then you have um, just these beautiful fishing villages, you know, nestled in the in the fjords and in the mountains and uh, and that kind of thing. It's um, it's a great place. Ah, oh. dude, I'm just fa- every day I'm just fantasizing about where I'm going to go this year. You know, just yeah. give me ideas, give me inspirations. Norway sounds yeah. amazing. Well, I think I mean I think with the bike riding and that, then um, then that'd be a, a pretty a pretty great gig coming over here. I think it'd be exciting. I mean, um, I've never ridden a bike myself in Norway. Um, I know people who do, and they tell me that. The whole sort of um, Harley Davidson open highway cruising. If that's your jam, mm-hmm. then don't come to Norway. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's not what you're gonna get. But if you like, um, we're talking twisties. We're talking. We're, yeah, yeah, yeah. If if you like riding and if you like, you know, uh, looking, seeing how your bike handles mm-hmm. and uh, on some fairly tricky roads, then um, then it's a good place to come. Yeah, that's what you want to do. I, I, I mean, if you, I guess if you want, I think they call them baggers. If you're on one of those big bikes with the big panniers and you know the big, yeah, you know, I'm guessing like that. It's like those Honda, what they call the flying bricks. I can't remember <laughs> the gold uh, wings. The gold wings. Yeah, you, 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 you yeah. don't want. You, you don't, don't want, want to bring that <laughs> Would not recommend it. <laughs> Oh, uh, dude. So, so for the people who are listening now, you're kind of a, a bit of a, a celebrity when it comes to Ironheart and the forum. You, you are the bona fide moderator. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm. Um, I don't know about celebrity, but, uh, <laughs> but, but on the forum, I am the the only the only moderator we have uh, at the moment. Obviously. Um, uh, Giles and Alex and the guys working in the shop uh, are active on the forum and they play a role. But I'm I'm the moderator. Yeah. Um, a while back when I started, there were more of us, but I'm the one that sort of hung around, stuck stuck it out like a bad smell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm still there. Mm-hmm. So how did it come about? How did you how did you end up there in that position? Um, I sort of started using i'm not a forum guy that's the weird thing right i'm not a forum guy at all i've never been a member of a forum before this in my life no i just i mean i'm not even a social media guy really um uh, but when i got into this um this kind of clothing and, and specifically this brand then the forum popped up and i think it was like all right, here I am, and, and, and I asked some questions and, and sort of um, got comfortable really quickly because it was just a great place to be. Um, and it had been going for, this was like six years ago, so it had been going for four years already, and there was this wealth of information, all these like really long detailed threads about different um, items, different denims, uh, and so on. It was, so it was amazing to read, and it was fun to interact with the people who were there. And I just got into it. 
And um, a couple of years went by and they were in need of some uh, a new moderator, people who were going to sort of um, maybe inspire sort of new kinds of communication and new kinds of connections. And, um, and Giles asked myself and a number of other people if we want to get on board. And, and we said yes, and we did. And, and yeah, uh, like I say, I've stuck around since then. <laughs> So what was your first dalliance with this world, with this scene? Like, what, How did it hook you in? <clears throat> right. Um, there's, like a, there's like a short answer to that, and there's a long answer to we, that. We've got time, brother. We've got time. We've got time. We're going to go for the long answer. <laughs> uh, all right, because I was thinking about this. I think about this kind of thing a lot, right? Um, <laughs> so, so it's nice to, you know, get to tell somebody who has asked. <laughs> um... I think that is the thing, right? We're going to go all the way back to when I was 11 years old. Right? Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And because uh, it kind of starts with music, right? Yeah. So uh, when I was 11 years old, about 1984, mm-hmm. um, I, I got taken to buy my first vinyl single, right? Which was? So, uh, which was um, a Susie and the Banshees track called Nice Cities in Dust, right? Nice. Uh, don't ask me why. Well, I, I, you kind of, I, I think I'd heard it on the Top 40 radio or it being on Top of the Pops, you know. For whatever reason, it, this song was in my head and I was like, I'm going to go and buy this. And my mum was looking at me sideways thinking, oh, boy, what's this about, man? <laughs> um, and I went and bought it. And the point with that is is that you can fast forward about two or three years and, and I'm listening to a lot of metal and a lot of uh, punk and a lot of... Um, a lot of kind of post-punk and alternative stuff. Um, and it didn't take long after that for me to start thinking about the clothes, mm-hmm. yeah? Mm-hmm. So it was like, it had never occurred to me that it was odd for a 14-year-old to be listening to kind of that, that kind of thing then. But it probably was in the 80s, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Um, but I then started thinking about the clothes. And um, obviously, a lot of these kind of bands, they have quite a striking... Um, appearance, you know, the clothes are a part of it. If you're into metal, then then you've got that uniform, and uh, and if you're into the goth music or the alternative, then you have that. And and I started being very particular about the clothes I wore. Um, and it was the, it was individual items, so it was things like leather jackets. And uh, where do I find a leather jacket that I I like? And I ended up going to some biker store that sold biking equipment and bought uh, a jacket direct from there to get my leather jacket, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I kind of um, loved the sort of the winkle pickers uh, boots and I loved the cowboy boots and all that kind of thing. And it's like, where does a 14-year-old living in Liverpool find this stuff? Um, So I started sort of, I started sourcing this kind of gear and there's this one there was this one place in Liverpool called Quiggins um, which was like this big old warehouse from the Victorian you know slave ship era um, that had been uh, sort of taken over and divided into it was like a big a big market in a warehouse and there were all kinds of like oddball new age um, people selling their stuff there so you could buy all kinds of weird things and there was some vintage stores there so um, I would go into these vintage stores and I'd buy like 
um, leather jeans, you know, proper leather jeans from God knows where um, <laughs> that still smell to their former owner. But it was, but it, it, it was proper stuff, man. It was proper stuff. Um, and like the old Levi's. So that's where I started getting a taste for interesting clothing. Um, and I, you know, I looked the part, I had all kinds of weird colours in my hair and bits of it shaved and bits of it braided and bits of it dreaded. And I was pierced here and pierced there and, and all that kind of thing. So I was getting into this whole idea of making a statement with my clothes. And then the real world showed up and said, you know, Ruben, you got to get a job, man. So I was like, oh yeah, okay. Um, and I always wanted to be a teacher. And at that point in the UK you could not turn up to work looking like I did. Really? So, yeah, no, I mean, it's like I had, I was pierced all of my ears and my nose and my tongue and, and hair all over the shop. So it's like, all right, if I'm going to be a teacher, then I, I, I've i got to make some changes. So I shaved off all my hair. So you, and you, so you would have been a punk, or is that, is that too uh, Yeah, late? I mean, I think I went through punk, crusty, goth, you know, all kinds of things. Some sort of amalgamation of some kind of weird amalgamation. <laughs> that, that that was exactly it. I yeah. mean, um, I used to wear I used to wear a lot of army surplus stuff. Sometimes I love that. Love going to army surplus stores. You know, um, uh, different kinds of combat trousers. All these like heavy jackets. All these heavy fabrics. Um, that kind of thing. Um, I was a huge fan of a band called New Model Army for uh, a long time. And the New Model Army uh, had or have, I guess, but certainly had at that time, was following. So um, what we would do is we would... um, uh, we were a great bunch of like-minded people who would just follow every gig on a tour, no. and we would hitch. We none of us had any money, so we would hitchhike from from city to city, and we were reliant on um, on helping each other out. And the band knew that we did this, so they would also make some tickets available when they could for us to get in for free and this kind of thing. Okay. And so the whole the whole gig was like. Yeah, it was like the, the tour's got 10 dates. It goes all over the UK. Maybe it goes into Germany. Maybe it goes wherever. Um, and we'd follow the tour. Um, and and this, this particular thing also had, you know, it's associated clothing. So there was like, like I say, a lot of army surplus gear going on, um, big kit bags, combat trousers. And, um, and when it came to footwear, uh, they, the, the people who were into this would wear these old style Yorkshire clogs. No. So not like the Dutch clogs yeah. that are entirely made of wood. Right. The old style sort of industrial revolution time Yorkshire clogs were leather uppers that were then hammered onto a wooden sole. And, and traditionally back in the day, they would have had like a metal sort of horseshoe underneath the wooden mm-hmm. sole. But that's not really, you know, socially acceptable um, uh, anymore. So right. they put they put rubbers on them. Um, and you could either get an old style boot or you could you could like go and buy a, an old West German combat boot. And, and take this to this place in Hebden Bridge. I don't think it exists anymore. Uh, I don't know. And uh, you, you take it to Hebden Bridge, and they would cut the old sole off it and fix it to a wooden clog sole. Yeah. So, um, so it was like all this kind of thing was going on, you know, with with the clothing and the music and and interesting items of clothing. Um, that was my thing. So, uh, crusty punk. I don't know. Um, but I enjoyed wearing interesting clothes and clothes that had that told a story and clothes that made 
a statement. I don't know. It just it worked for me. Um, I enjoyed it. So you, you, you were just getting to a point where you were saying I, I interrupted and I asked um, if you were a punk, but you were just right. telling me about your along your journey. You were about right. to be a teacher, but they basically yeah. told you to fuck off. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, the UK at that time, um, and I don't know how different it is now, but there is no way you're going to walk into a job at a comprehensive school in the UK looking like I looked. And I knew this. I'd been doing a teacher training uh, course after my degree, and, and they took me aside and said, like, you, if you, before you go out um, on your placement, you know, on your on your teacher training, then you have to do something about your appearance. So wow. I, I was like, and I, I, I knew that was coming. So I took out all my earrings, shaved my head uh, of all my hair, and had to go and find some fucking clothes I could wear to the job uh, which was which was insanely depressing it's like what do I I don't even know what to wear man because I've spent my entire life in in whatever I've spent yeah you know in leather jeans and uh, and big old army surplus jackets and that kind of thing but surely that so the the the, the, the route you would have taken would have been like what like Marks and Spencer I don't know I don't, I'm, I'm guessing here so don't yeah, laugh fucking, at me I don't know like CNA like Marks and Spencer's what would have been the route like what would you have got like trousers and a shirt I don't know yeah, I mean, I, I get, get trousers and a shirt, and uh, and it was like um, Debenhams, Debenhams. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah, but Debenhams and, and, and Marks and Spencers and this kind of thing. And and when I did that, uh, my my like casual wear, what I wear. I mean, you you know what it's like in the UK. It's like um, if you uh, you go to work and you have to have a certain standard, right? There's still a lot of pressure, I think, on many places in the UK to have a suit and tie. Uh, and that was teaching in, in West London at the time. It was like, uh, yeah, shirt and tie was was necessary. Mm. And then on my on my evenings and on the weekends, it ended up being just like a pair of jeans and a t-shirt and and pretty generic stuff. And I didn't like that, man. I was not happy with that. So it, it, I went through this long period in my life of of, of of not being happy with how I dressed because it was just like generic and boring and not what I'm used to and in my head it was like this is part of growing up you know mm-hmm. uh, this is just this is just what happens I guess I, I've got to leave this behind conform so two things happened then and the big one was moving to Norway because uh, in Norway you know it's Scandinavia and they don't have that relationship to uh, to formal formal clothes really no, they don't. They don't. They don't. So, like, I have a friend who works in the finance sector in Oslo, um, and uh, which in the UK would be a big sort of old school suit and tie gig. And uh, and you know, he goes to work in a pair of jeans and a and a and a jumper, and, and that's fine. Um, wow. Teaching wise, there teachers can turn up in anything they like. No. Uh, there are no demands. No. So it's like all of a sudden I'm living in Norway, and it's like, oh, hang on. I, can I, can I, you know, I can, I can sort of, I don't know, reinvent myself or go back to, um, yeah, expressing myself through my clothes like I, like I enjoy doing earlier. Um, so how did that manifest itself then when you got to Norway yeah. doing that? Um, it's, well, I mean, at the time I was sort of still in this like, wasteland if you like uh when it comes to like working out what what sort of clothing i wanted to wear and i ended up getting onto 
some sort of streetwear brands that you had in the UK, like Chunk. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Chunk. Chunk had they they probably don't exist anymore. Chunk I like Criminal Damage, Chunk and yeah. uh, a very early Supreme that kind of thing, okay. right? Yeah. Um, so Chunk made T-shirts mostly, and they had this amazing line in uh, in in graphic T-shirts that were um, drawing on Star Wars, you know, and just like doing really cool things for Star Wars motifs and okay. uh, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I was wearing some streetwear and uh, and and enjoying wearing like sneakers to. Um, uh, to uh, to work and like big sort of skater hoodies and that kind of thing. And then one day somebody tipped me off about I, I had like a, I had a problem again with with um, with what has now become known as fast fashion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, For so those somebody, who don't know that term, could you explain it? Well, I mean, fast fashion is this, uh, I think I was reading up about this the other day, actually, and it was actually more or less Zara, the, that, that store that, that coined that term, because they had this idea that um, they would have like a ridiculous six-week turnaround on their collections. So they would have a new collection every six weeks. So forget like twice a year. This was every six weeks they would launch new clothes. And um, that became the norm uh, for companies like H&M, Zara, and so on, and, uh, and, and leads to this um, production of clothing that um, is, they produce huge amounts, very, very cheaply, and they are designed to look good the first two or three times you wear them. Right. Until you so they, 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 yeah, yeah, pretty much. They, 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 they're good when you buy them. They're good the first time you put them on, but uh, after you wash them, yeah, um, they're not looking so great anymore. And that's the idea. So you have this, um, you have this idea uh, of um, uh, these sort of firms making also clothes where they quite deliberately uh, use over gauge cotton for the fabrics. Uh, and what happens then is that the, the the clothes will sort of start falling apart at the seams, literally, because the overgauge cotton is too heavy for the fabric, and and they start breaking up, mm-hmm. they start creating holes at the seams, um, and that's deliberate because as soon as there's a hole, you'll check it out, you'll go and buy a new one, you know. Mm-hmm. So that that's sort of how fast fashion works, and this was coming in. I'm talking like, I guess. 11 or 12 years ago when uh, when this was sort of becoming a thing and I was struggling with it and somebody tipped me off about an American uh, brand called Flint and Tinder who were using Kickstarter to promote this idea of a 10-year hoodie right really yeah so so it was like uh, you bought this hoodie hoodie and they guaranteed it for 10 years and they gave you free repairs and you could and because it was Kickstarter you could specify a size and, and which zip they use and which color you wanted and this which like draw tab on the zip and all this kind of stuff but the point was it was like we're going to sell this and it's going to last for 10 years and if it doesn't we will fix it for you and I love that idea I thought it was brilliant right so uh, I, I I went in on this and I bought one of these things and I kind of made a noise about it on on Facebook where I was at the time and at that point somebody sent me a link to a, uh, a company that had recently started in uh, in Wales called Hyatt uh, Denim all right and uh, and they were like 
check this out, man. This is the same kind of idea. These guys are making jeans mm -hmm. and they're making it from really good material and they're guaranteeing it and they will fix it forever and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh man, yeah, okay. So this is obviously a thing. So I was inspired. I was like, okay, there are people out there making clothing to last and uh, okay they're charging a bit of money for it but they're, they're, they're guaranteeing the quality and it's and and that idea really excited me and i went from there into the whole raw denim thing oh, so it's Hyatt. Hyatt got you in you that was the Hyatt was the start was the first step yeah Hyatt was the start and i bought two pairs off them straight away um and and that was then i was like all right hello i get this it's like two pairs uh, of the same or two pairs uh, of two pairs two pairs of the same denim they had a i think it was a 14 ounce um japanese salvage uh denim and they had it in two cuts of a time i think they've got four or five now they had two cuts like a a slim cut and a and a straight cut yeah and that was all they had so i got one of each um, never wore the straight cut, but the um, but the slim cut worked for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, but it was just like this 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 idea of like the fabric, and it was like I didn't know what salvage denim was when I bought these things. You know, I didn't know about the whole Japanese denim thing really. So, um, but as soon as you get them in your hand, it's like oh, this is different. <laughs> uh, I mean, at that point, I was wearing. I guess like Levi's, mm -hmm. uh, re regular Levi's, maybe like Diesel or maybe Nudies yeah. or something like that. What sort of year was this? This was about 2012, okay. I guess. Um, so I mean, Selvage Denim was was a thing. I just didn't know about it. You know, I mean, a lot of other people knew about it, but I didn't um, until I bought these Hyatts. Um, and but I could I could tell there was something different about them, uh, about the material, about the way they were made, and I really bought into this whole idea of um, uh, making stuff that lasts and making it well, um, paying a bit more money for it because it's being you know done by craftsmen. It's not being put together in sweatshops. It's not made to fall apart, uh, and so on. Um, and then I. You know, got on the internet and started sort of looking into this kind of thing, and that was when I first heard about Ironheart, um, and that was that was cool, um, and got this idea that okay, I you know I want now I want some salvage denim that is made by a Japanese brand. How, how did it feel when you were? Because I'm guessing <laughs> when you were buying the Hyatts, what were we saying? About two hundred pound a pop or less? Yeah, no, about that I think. Yeah. I mean, how, how did maybe, that feel for you? Was that a bit of a jump, or were you just like, no, that's that's it's, it's worth it? Well, I mean, <clears throat> there's a couple of things there. there. Firstly, um, I live in Norway. I was living in Norway then, and Norway. One thing about Norway that most people know is it's horribly fucking expensive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So if I'm gonna go down to the sound center in 2012 in Norway and buy a pair of diesel, then I'm gonna be paying about 120, 130 quid for them, you know? Right. Um, so the jump to whatever it was then, maybe it was 200, it wasn't a huge jump, man. Uh, it, wasn't, yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't that big a deal. Yeah. Um, and, and I saw the point, I understood mm. the point. Um, 
I understood the point that these are being made in this little town in Wales, like, and I'm Welsh, so that story spoke to me. Uh, this little town in Wales that used to make denim, and now they've employed some of the old denim makers to come and work on it. It's like, that costs money. Because they'd all I lost their that. jobs, those guys, hadn't they? Yeah, it was like Marks and Spencers used to make all their jeans there. So one of the nine, I think so, something like that, yeah. It was like, they used to make jeans for these big department stores, and they made loads of them. And, uh, and, you know, when neoliberalism, globalization, and all this kind of thing, they found out it was much cheaper to do this shit in Pakistan or India or wherever it was, and, and, and they closed that place down. And, um, and the guy who, uh, who started Hyatt, he, he saw this potential there, you know, that there were people here who made a lot of jeans. So um, it's, it was a great story, and I understood that producing in that way was going to cost money, so I didn't have a problem paying what I was paying. For it, um, and this is this is something that, like, slightly di- diversion here, but this is something that still irritates me now about this area of clothing and um, the people who who buy it. Is you'll hear a lot of people complaining about prices, right? Um, whether it's Ironheart or Mister Freedom or whoever. You know, people are like, oh, why does this have to be so much? Why does this have to be so much? You know, um, uh, you guys must be making loads of money and this kind of thing. And, and that really annoys me, really gets my goat. Um, firstly, it's just fucking rude, man. <laughs> it's like <laughs> if, 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 if a company wants to say this is how much my our stuff costs, then that's their prerogative, all right? Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, is like, what about individual responsibility? If you think something is not worth that money, then just don't buy it. <laughs> so I, I don't get where it's like, oh, but I want the iron heart, but I don't want to pay for it. It's like, well, if you want it, then just fucking buy it, man. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> if you don't want it, then, you know, if you don't want it for that money, then walk away. If you really want it, then save up. Mm. It's like, don't sit there and moan and say, like, ah, oh, so. You, 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 you pay your money, you get what you get, and, um, and, and if it's worth it, then it's fine. And I thought those jeans, those, uh, those Welsh-made higher jeans were totally worth the money. Um, I totally got it. Uh, and, and yeah, and so the next step was, was buying some actual like Japanese brand denim. And uh, I remember researching this madly, and uh, Oni and Samurai kept on popping up, and mm-hmm. I really fancied them, and Ironheart was always there in the background, mm-hmm. always. And at that point, I'd been in their website and had a look around, uh, which was like weird, because Giles will tell you that the website back then was interesting um, it was like you know i think alex told me that it was he just it was just basically thrown together yeah it was <laughs> it, it was different it was different it was it was like you got the impression that here's a group of people who have supreme confidence in their product yeah. because they've not really made done much for the website <laughs> it's like so you got you've got this you've got this awful sort of uh, basic portal for selling extremely expensive clothing it's the <laughs> japanese way isn't it ruben you know? <laughs> i guess so. <laughs> i don't think i've ever gone to one good japanese website right. ever it's just they're just they're crap but well, the products I, I, are exceptional there you go I, and, and and that's that i think all right that's a good thing man they've got they've got confidence in <laughs> they, they realize it's you know it, it, it's the product that's going to sell so i i enjoyed that i was looking at them and then um in 2013 
um, my wife and I decide to go to New York, and I've never been to the States before, and, uh, and we're going to go and visit New York for a week, and I get really excited. Because I know that you've got, you know, South Edge, um, New York. So you hadn't purchased I, anything at this point? I'd not. Well, no, I, I, I'd, I'd be mine bits and bobs. Um, I, I had my Hyatts. I tried out a pair of uh, Selvage Nudies, which yeah. I had a hell of a time tracking down in Norway, uh, but, but managed to. And also there was a Norwegian brand who still exists now, although what they're doing maybe has changed a little called Livid Jeans. Um, now, at the time, this was a, a one-man brand, pretty much, a guy called Jens Olaf, uh, living in Trondheim, and he had been working for a jeans-selling sort of chain store, like, kind of like Topshop, if you like. Mm -hmm. um, and from there, he'd gone into making jeans, and he had started importing Japanese salvage and cutting and custom-making jeans in Norway out mm -hmm. of Japanese salvage. Um and he's really clever guy and uh, that product really spoke to me. So I bought a couple of pairs of jeans off him. He'd also made me a couple of vests out of denim because I was like into vests too. So, um, so I, I, I'd be buying bits and bobs, but it was stuff that I could get hold of in Norway for the, for the most part. Um, but the idea, of, and, 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 that, and that I think is a problem that a lot of people face because I was like, I'm not going to go onto a website and order um, a, a $350 uh, pair of jeans without having tried them. Yeah, I mean, it's um, mental, isn't it? Um, uh, that was my big worry. So going to New York and, and knowing that Salvage is there and the uh, Blue and Green uh, is there, and they're only like 20 minutes walk away from each other on Manhattan, um, that was very exciting. So my wife's all sort of getting buzzing about the, the Sex and the City experience in on Manhattan, and I'm just like going, how to get to, from you know blue and green to Southwest New York, and how to get from there down on onto Rivington Street and to go and visit a life there because I still had that streetwear thing going on. Oh, yeah. and there's some great streetwear sneaker stores um, yeah. in the same area around Canal Street on uh, uh, on Manhattan. So I was I was sort of planning that. So I, I got there, and I think. Again, it wasn't in my head that I was going to buy Ironheart. And it was pretty much an accident that the taxi driver uh, knew where the Selfedge store was but didn't know where the Blue and Green store was. So I, <laughs> I ended up going to Selfedge first. Uh, and Selfedge stocked Ironheart, whereas uh, Blue and Green had like Oni and Samurai and a yeah. lot of other sort of brands. So I, I researched, I knew what kind of cuts I wanted, I knew what kind of brands I wanted, but, but Selvage was the first stop and, uh, and I tried on a few different pairs uh, of these jeans and, and chose one and walked out. And that was that, man. What was the pair? What was the pair? Don't leave us uh, it was a, it was a pair of um, it was a pair of twenty one ounce IH three hundred one S. So the three hundred one right. cut so that was a cut. self edge exclusive, right? Correct. The yeah. the three hundred one cut was a self edge exclusive cut, and uh, which was a slim. It, it's kind of um, yeah, a slimish tapered, uh, low rise cut. Yeah. Totally the wrong cut for me. Uh, <laughs> now the, the, well, this is this is this is funny, man, because because um, I tried on a six three four, which is a straight um, 
straight cat. And I tried on the 666. And at that point, my wife was in the shop with me and she was still in the background shaking her head and going, no, no, not that. <laughs> not. And I, I was like, the 634, I kind of saw, maybe not, not, not that flattering. But the 666, I really liked. Uh, yeah. But she was like, oh, no. Really? She and uh, she was not feeling it. And at that point, she left. And, and at that point, the, the guy who was working there said, said, try these, you know, your wife will like them. And I was like, and I put them on, and I really like the silhouette, and, and they fit great, and, and, and all that kind of thing. And they look good in the mirror, but there was a couple of things that I hadn't worked out, and that was the stretch factor. Right, because so they're going to like, an inch. Yeah, and I didn't know that then. Right. Um, so I hadn't done as much research as I should have done. So these things look great, and I uh, I had to leave them there for 24 hours for uh, for hemming. Yes. One thing I always remember from that visit, actually, was on the way out, he said, like, next time you come, you know, you don't want to try a pair of these on. And he showed me what turned out to be an over-dyed um, 301. So an Ironheart I, I, over-dyed. And I remember picking up that over-dyed stuff and going... And it yeah. was like, uh, it was like, what the fuck is this? What the shit this is, is this? incredible. And just can you, can you explain? Just as we as the subjects um, come up, can you explain the overdying process? Are you are you are you au fait with the overdying process, or is that something I'll leave to the boys to elucidate? I can do the layman's version. Yeah, I mean, do the, the layman's. Boys, the yeah. boys will give you the expert version, but I can give you the layman's version. Um, <laughs> So overdying, uh, at least when it comes to iron art, is um, is an example of garment dyeing. So garment dyeing is when you take a whole garment that's been made, sewn, and is finished, and then dye it again, right? Mm. Uh, as opposed to fabric dyeing, which is when you obviously just dye the the roll of cloth before mm. it's been cut and so. So um, what they do is they they you know they, they they'll make their twenty one ounce, for example, uh, five five fives. Let's just say, and they'll take out I don't know maybe ten twenty percent of of a batch uh, for over dyeing, and uh, they basically put them in huge industrial uh, dyeing machines and they dye it with a uh, a fugitive um, a fugitive pigment dye. So this is a black dye that sits on top of the indigo, on top of the already uh, dyed uh, gene, and that will disappear with, uh, it's water-soluble, um, it'll disappear with water, with uh, abrasion, with friction. Um, and what you end up getting then is, uh, you start off with like a, a matte black gene, um, and this is what got me that time in, in Selvedge, uh, Selvedge in New York, was that you, you touch this and um, it just seemed to like suck the light into it, you know. It was like a black hole of genius. It was so, <laughs> it, was, it was really, it was really matte and inky and you could touch it and it was like very, very dry. It looked like it should almost be wet. So of course. It was really right. dry and papery yeah. and uh, it was a really sort of um, tactile uh, experience mm -hmm. touching these jeans it was like man I'm going to get a pair of them one day because yeah, they are yeah. they are otherworldly um, <laughs> so at that point it was like I didn't know it but I was pretty much hooked so I get back to the U to Norway and um, it takes me about a month to realize that I should have sized down on these 301s oh, because, no. because they stretch so much it also takes me about two weeks to realize that with my fat ass, I probably should not be wearing low-rise uh, uh, jeans. Um, <laughs> so the, these were not the uh, the perfect uh, fit for me. And at that point, that's where the forum comes in the picture yeah. because I, I get on the forum and I start reading a lot on the forum and I start planning my next purchase because it's like, all right, 
I'll wear these, they're fine, but they're not perfect. Now I need to find the, the, the right pair for me. Um, yeah. And I use the, and, I, and now I know what it's about. And uh, yeah, so I need to research, find out, work out what the correct cut is for me, uh, what I should buy. And, and the forum was a great help in doing that. So I think I was in New York in, in May of 2013 and my next purchase was in, in August of 2013 and that was my first purchase direct from from Giles in in uh, in Gosport from Giles yeah okay right wow so what did you go for five five fives yeah um which was also not the right cut for me <laughs> <laughs> so big big help from the forum Shout out to the four. <laughs> it's like I go back and I read um, some of the emails that I was sending because these guys, I mean, um, these Ironheart are well known for their customer service. Yeah, uh, I think within this within this corner of the clothing industry, mm-hmm. and uh, this was my first jeans purchase from them, so I got a lot of attention. They were asking me, they were writing emails. I think I was a um, a full on pain in the pain mm-hmm. in the butt. Um, asking loads of kind of stupid questions and um, uh, which was all great but there were a few things I was missing or a few things I was not getting um, so I got them and these kind of things they, they were the other end they were a little too tight um, <laughs> but I was sort of stubborn and, and to be honest with you like going back to the whole goth thing from when I was 15 I quite like wearing tight jeans, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Motley Crue says, you know, 1983. I'm, I'm down with that. All right. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So even though they were a little tight, uh, yeah. I stuck it out and I wore them and I enjoyed them an awful lot while recognizing that they are a little tight. And, but it was, it was too late because by that time I was, I was hooked. So, um, so the 555 is basically the slimmest fit Ironheart do, right? Yeah, I think people people call it a slim tapered fit, and it sort of is. But what they're missing is that it only actually really tapers properly in from the from the thigh to the knee. Right. So from the knee to the hem, it actually drops down pretty straight. Oh wow! So um, a lot of people, when I mean, when they're talking about taper cuts, they they see something that that, that tapers relatively easily evenly sorry from from the thigh down to the hem but yeah. the 555 actually doesn't oh, right. it, it, it tapers strongly uh, from the from the thigh to the knee and this was my problem because I, I'm a rugby player uh-huh. um, and I've got big chunky thighs and yes. uh, so the top of the thigh fit but yeah. when it then tapered down towards my knee that's where it just got way too tight okay. uh, and there wasn't enough gear for it really there was enough give for me to get away with it. Just about get away with it. Just about get away with it. Yeah. 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 Um, but this, I mean, it's like, this is something that I think the forum actually excels at is, um, is being a place where people can come and ask these questions. Yeah. Because the guys um, at, at Gosport, they're experts and they know their stuff and they know how Denim behaves and they can give really good help. Um, but I think 
people who come to the forum asking about fits, asking about sizing, they're able to ask in another way. They're able to sort of, you know, access the cloud, get a lot of feedback from a lot of different people, um, maybe ask questions that they wouldn't ask other places. They're able to read, they're able to do their own research. And, um, and the forum's really helpful in, in, I think, for a lot of people in working out what's a good fit and how sizing going to work and, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Certainly, I think the thing for me after that point was with the forum and with the products was it was this rabbit hole. It's like now I'm on the on the edge of the rabbit hole and I'm about to go down it. Yeah, completely. And so you jumped like, in. I did. I did because it was like there's something about having <laughs> these um, these genes that brought back this thing that I was talking about earlier, this idea of owning items that do more than just keep you warm or make you look good. They're, they're items that have like, they're a sort of, this sounds kind of like romantic, poetic bullshit or something, but they're, they're, they're items that have uh, like a life of their own. They have like mm-hmm. some kind of aura. It's something to do with the way they're made Definitely something to do with the way they're made. Mm-hmm. Uh, something to do with the fact that they're made properly, that they're made to last, that they are constructed, that they are engineered. Um, but it's also something to do with um, their design, maybe, as well, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like the, the Winkle Pickers and the, the Yorkshire Clogs and the Leather Jeans and the um, proper uh, riders jackets that I was buying when I was 14. Mm. Ironheart brought all that, all that back. Brought it back, yeah. Um, so, so owning first this pair of 301, then the 555s, looking at the construction, looking, feeling the weight of the denim, feeling that these were something more than, or I mean, Giles tends to say, and he's of course absolutely right, they're just fucking clothes, man. <laughs> you know, and, and, and they are. They are just clothes. But when you compare them to something you pick up from Zara, mm-hmm. they become more than clothes, yeah. right? It's I, like I, I you, would agree. I think, it's, I think they're definitely... They're, it's something else. Well, they just have more presence, man. It's like somebody is, somebody's thought about when they sat down and designed these things... How am I going to make the best pair of jeans I can make, right? And they've thought about every, and I, and I truly believe, and I'm sure Haraki-san does exactly this. Uh, when he's designing a pair of jeans, he, he considers every step of this process. Mm-hmm. He, he considers the materials. He, I mean, we know that he designs uh, the weave of the denim himself, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so from the, from the very level of putting together the fabric, he's in there designing this. Uh, and it shows. It shows when you pick them up. Um, just when you hold them, when you uh, put them on, you can feel that level of thought and, um, and that sort of design excellence. I agree. Um, I, I think it's the reason, one of the reasons why people go to you know spend so much money on a timepiece i think it's more than just resale or resell whatever they call it you know you buy a rolex like i guess a lot of people buy a rolex one one reason because they want to they want to show off <laughs> second reason they they know that it'll probably go up a few grand in the next five years or whatever but there's something about spending that much money 
on something that you're going to wear every single day that you if you keep it you may pass it down to your son and i think it has the same thing with these items of clothing yeah. you know these jeans all right they might get a bit ripped but you can hand it over to cheston he'll he'll do his repairs you could keep these for the rest of your life right sure I mean, um, I uh, that pair of 301 and that pair of 505 that I was talking about, mm-hmm. I sent them off to Gosport uh, as part of that um, fade trade thing. Did you really? A few years ago. Yeah, because I mean, I, I, I wore them for for years and years and years. You know, uh, they all had many hundreds of wares on them. The 301s became my, um, uh, my carpentry building jeans uh, and got properly shagged in the process. And the uh, <laughs> 555s. Uh, I think I blew the crotch out on those about three or four times. Sure. And just kept on going back in there and sewing it. Those thighs. Sewing it and fixing it. Yeah, 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 that's exactly what it was. <laughs> and, 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 and being like this sort of crusty punk uh, guy, <laughs> I was, I, again, it was a throwback to being 12 years old and sewing um, Iron Maiden patches on a, on a denim jacket or, yeah. uh, or being 17 years old and having to fix a pair of combat trousers on the road when I was following New Model Army or Radical Dance Faction or whoever I was going to watch that night, you know, your trousers would rip and you'd, you'd fix them. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I will now, you know, I, it was a throwback to that time. It's like, I've just screwed up my far too tight trousers again. Now I need to sew them up. And that's what I did. So um, they will last. They will last. They will definitely last. I mean, the oldest pair I've got now are a pair of six 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 XHS. My first pair of XHS, and I which think is the ultra heavy, the extra heavy salvage, extra heavy yeah. salvage, extra sorry. heavy. Salvage. Yeah. The twenty five ounce. The twenty five. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's the heaviest I do, um, and um, and they're I think five years old, mm-hmm. and I've probably worn them about I don't know I mean I I do this nerdy thing where I you know put a little mark on the inside of the pocket bag for every day I wear no yeah yeah do you you go that far I do I do I do 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 you keep the spreadsheet I've heard the people that keep spreadsheets I do not do that all right that's the next level though is (laughs) it those people are mad no um uh, (laughs) no they're not mad yeah this this is a nice thing you meet all these people on the forum and otherwise and they have all kinds of all kinds of nerdiness and all kinds of strange obsessive habits and I love all that and some people have none you know some people have yeah. none but but one of my one of my admittedly slightly silly quirks is marking off how many times I wear a pair of jeans so <laughs> I, I still I like do that. that yeah it is what it is um, I started doing it I still do the first time I met you we were at the um, one of the events one of the Ironheart events I think it was the forum anniversary Forum anniversary. The 10-year ten, anniversary. Exactly, yeah. yeah it was the 10-year anniversary. Exactly. 2019. Yes. Oh, be- better days. Better days. <laughs> it's coming again. It's coming again. You have, to, yeah. you have to think that, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and, I, and at that party, I met um, Rudy. Yeah. Swiss jeans freak. Right. Swiss right. jeans freak. For the people right. who don't know... Swiss Jeans Freak slash Rudy. Could you explain to them who, who this dude is? Um, yeah, I mean, I've met him a few times at Ironheart parties and, uh, and became aware of him, like, you know, this period I was talking about earlier when I started getting into this, because he's, he's hard to miss. Um, he's, he's this Swiss guy, and I think he's, 
is he a geography teacher? Or is he, you know, he's in the geology or geography or something. Okay. As like, I, I think maybe he teaches, um, and that's his discipline anyway. And he's, um, I guess he's probably in his late 50s or 60s, something like that, and he loves his denim, man. So he, he has this very pure love for, for denim and for um, what it can do if you wear it day in, day out, go skiing in it, you know, all this kind of thing. And he doesn't wash his jeans. He's, he's one of these guys who's like, no water anywhere near my jeans. Um, really? And he, he has this jeans museum. So he has this jeans museum in Switzerland where people will send him their used jeans and brands will send him new examples of new models. And he just collects all kinds of denim for all over the world and, and puts, so I guess he catalogs it and, um, and, uh, and has it in his museum. And he's become this sort of... So it's called the Jeans Museum. It's in Zurich. It's in Zurich, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm and just, he I'm runs that. So he he's just that. this like figure in this in in the denim community. He's this sort of like um, guru or uh, I don't know what you call him, but he's he's there. You know, he's he's like he's very uh, big on Instagram and uh, he travels a lot out to uh, visit with denim heads in the um, in Southeast Asia. You know, in Malaysia and all this kind of thing, and mm-hmm. uh, runs this museum and he pops up at the events and. Uh, He's this sort of advocate for uh, for denim. He's, he's, a, he's a he's a fun guy. He's a character, right? Because you he see really him, is. and he's got. I think I think the thing that he is the, at, the, at that point in time, he was bragging about. I feel like now you have to correct me here, Ruben, because I'm I've probably got this wrong. I feel like he was showing off his twenty five ounce Beetle Busters. That's right. Is uh, that right? Yeah, yeah, spot on, mate. Spot on. Yeah. Right, and it's yeah. it's an, it's it's such an interesting look because. You know, if you're into the Ironheart world, into the community, you'll also probably you'll you'll if you look at you know the 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 kind of if there is to be such a thing as a generic Ironheart guy or girl, they'll be wearing probably a pair of twenty one ounce, probably some Westcos or some Red Wings, um, maybe a, a flannel. Right, so that's that's the kind of silhouette. You yeah. see, Rudy, it's twenty five ounce. These unbelievably. Um, I mean, they're beautiful, but there's Velcro sandals, <laughs> usually with socks. <laughs> yep. 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 And just something, you know, and he's riding around on his bicycle. He's a real character. I mean, like, it's great. I mean, obviously, no judgment here. He's an absolute character. He's fantastic. Um, Absolutely. I remember him saying to me, um, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's been however many years. You kind of, you don't want to be in the same room as me when I'm wearing these, but, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is it. He, he, he does his thing, man. He is just Rudy. There's nobody else like him. And like you say, he doesn't, he's, he's not in it for the same reason as a lot of other people are in it. And he doesn't do right. the same things. And yeah. uh, and that's cool. He does his thing. He, yeah. he, he's an advocate. But those jeans, I mean, uh, those 25-ounce Beetlebusters, I think they had... Well over a thousand wear days wears. on them because he's and checking, they, isn't he? He's doing the yeah, same yeah. Shit, he keeps he keeps track, and he's uh, and they've never been washed, um, wow. which is this is not my thing at all. Um, <laughs> but it, and it's interesting what you say about that, like flannel shirt and uh, and twenty one ounce and Red Wings um, and that whole thing. And, and you know, Instagram's great because um, 
it lets people who are into this kind of thing share all their stuff and talk about clothes and the forum does that too and and sure i mean that look uh is popular but one of the things that i love about the forum as well is the way you get to realize that the demographic of people who are buying iron art is huge mm -hmm. and and varied mm -hmm. and and the different reasons why people get into it the different reasons why, why people sort of have heard of it, uh, what they like about it, um, I mean, who they are. It's massive, and sure, I mean, there are, there are plenty of guys uh, who wear the Red Wings and, and, and do that, like, faux workwear look um, that kind of came out, I guess, of that, like, faux lumberjack look that was sort of popular sure. Sure. Uh, yeah. 10 years ago, and all power to them. They, they're, they're looking good, man. It's, it's, it's nice clothes. It's nice, you know, I'm, I'm, but there are so many people who do so many crazy things with the clothes. And this is and, and this is the thing, right? You can you can wear this stuff and you can style this stuff so many different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I and that's what's so great about the forum. Yeah. Is just seeing how people wear their gear and uh, and enjoy their gear and how they can express themselves. I mean, Giles tells a story and I apologize if uh, he's already sort of told you it on, on, on his podcast. I don't know if he did. But um, Giles tells a story about, I think, a party in San Francisco in the early days when Haraki-san had come over. And uh, they were having like an Ironheart launch party. And Haraki-san was just like looking at all these sort of San Francisco, I think it was, hipsters coming in wearing Ironheart and being blown away. Because he, he did not understand that people could wear his stuff like this. It was right, like, as in not on a motorbike, essentially, right? Yeah, I mean, well, if you look at, I mean, if you look at the sort of Japan uh, crew and both the people who work for Ironheart and the people who um, who buy it in Japan, then I think I wouldn't be too far off in saying that it's a relatively homogenous look. Right. Right. Okay. They they wear stuff in a similar way. Yeah. Um, so san is, obviously is um, inspired by both um, uh, American uh, military and workwear from the mid twentieth century. Uh, very much by biker culture, uh, yeah. both American biker culture and Japanese biker culture. So this is where he's you know this is the DNA of his stuff is mid-century workwear, mid-century military uh, wear uh, with a biker influence and a, and a biker functionality mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, and the guys buying it in Japan are also into that kind of thing. So they wear their stuff in a, in a similar way. Mm -hmm. Like the 634 still sells really well there. The uh, 666 still sells really well there. He's got into the 555 later on. He was quite conservative, quite reluctant. But... This is still a relatively homogenous group of people uh, wearing, wearing this stuff. Um, so I don't. The story is is that Haragizan hadn't considered how people in the West would be wearing it and what kind of people were wearing it. So he sat there in San Francisco, watching all these guys coming in, rocking his gear in ways that he'd never envisaged them doing. Wow. Um, and apparently he was really taken aback and impressed and somewhat humbled and was just like. I will bear this in mind going forward that, that you know, 
I'm not just making for guys like me. I'm not just making for Japanese guys and girls who are riding the Harleys and, and, and who are into this biker culture in Japan. I'm making for a, a whole load of people. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, you see that everywhere. You just, I mean, there are, you know, there are guys who will buy um, uh, like a, a chambray work shirt, you know, an indigo dyed chambray work shirt and a pair of 21 ounce um, uh, 666 and pair them with a pair of cowboy boots or a pair of Wesco boots and they will look like, you know, any Midwestern, you know, it's just like Midwestern American workwear is like standard stuff. Mm. Um, blue collar worker, all right, it doesn't cost blue collar money, but they will look that way. They'll look yeah. great and, and that you can wear them like that. You will get French punks who will have super tight 555s on and uh, combine it with, you know, one of these border-striped uh, heavy tops mm-hmm. and, uh, and a, like a, a super black vest, mm-hmm. uh, which they'll have pins and studs in, and they'll be no doing a, you know, a full punk thing going on. Um, there are loads of metalheads and, and whatever uh, doing their stuff with it. Um, th- there are so many ways you can do this, from, from straight middle-class... Uh, guys to all kinds of flavors of you know whatever subculture is going on well, it's, the world it's interesting you say that so so i was i was uh recently so I, i've got the um the super black uh I, I don't know the code names forgive me but it's the super black um denim vest and um i was talking to alex padmore the other day about that vest i was like oh i, I really like the black one but i would quite like the blue one as well blah 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 he was like, no, dude. I, I, th- I think that you know, just you know, your black one looks great on you. You know, you should, you should, uh, you should stick with it. Oh, and by the way, one of the Hell's Angels guys has got your same vest, um, Sonny Barger, who is basically like the king of the Hell's Angels. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This guy, uh, this guy, Sonny, who was a big deal in the Hell, Hell's Angels, apparently, um, Self Edge. Uh, basically went out and presented him with one of these jackets. You know, they'd seen pictures of him from, from the old days in, in black. Uh, he was the guy. Off. Yeah. yeah. And and they went and said, like, you know, look at this. And there's this amazing photo shoot and interview they did. Uh, with Sonny. Yeah, with Sonny, where they give him that uh, that vest and, uh, and oh he poses in it and all this kind of thing. He's the yeah. boy, man. Yeah. He was. He's like... I think he speaks to a, what do they call it when you have to put the thing that fucking vibrates your vocal cords? Yeah, he's like had a tracheoxomy or whatever. So yeah, he has yeah. that voice box. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know what they're called. That's right. He's, he's proper, of, man. He's proper. I mean, the thing is as well, again, you know, you know with me, I'm coming at it from a motorcycle point of view. But sure. The guy was riding, you know, the pans, the knucks or whatever it would have been. I, I, to be honest, I don't remember exactly what he was riding, which is terrible on my part. But I mean, he was the guy, you know, the, the term club style, the, the bike I ride now, it's a, it's a diner. If, if, you're, if you're into bikes, you'll know what I'm talking about. I ride an 09 diner, a street bob. Um, but in the, in the 90s, you know, the Hells Angels started riding these FXRs with the panniers and with the high bars and with the police fairings. And they just, you know, they respray them and they created a whole new scene. And that scene's called club style. Right. Now. Um, so even now in their old age, they're still having, you know, an impact on, 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 the bikes you ride and the, you know, the, you know, that they're, they're still doing their thing. They just can't help but be influential. 
I don't know what they how they how they run their business nowadays. I, I don't want to know, but you know. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's a big world, and lots of things happen, and, and you know, let's not dig too uh, deep into that. Um, sure, it doesn't but, impact uh, us too much. No, but it's it's interesting though because it's, it's it goes to this idea of like um, of style and of the expression of style and of uh, of like DNA when yeah. it comes to style. Like where does style come from? What is history? Yeah. And we're so long in now to this sort of idea of um, this idea of style, this idea of fashion, this idea of referencing, and this idea of influence. Um, and you see this now and again on Instagram, right? This is one of the things, again, that kind of annoys me um, with, with, with social media, uh, some of these sort of comments. You'll see these guys and they'll comment on maybe Ironheart's own sort of IG or uh, they're like, oh man, I mean, you're wearing blue collar clothes, but you're not blue collar. Like you're wearing a work shirt or you're wearing jeans, but you know you you couldn't you can't afford that on blue collar money. Yeah. Or they'll be like, "Oh, why are you looking like a biker when you're not a biker?" You know, uh, this kind of thing. And this sort of idea of like authenticity, you know, is like you can't wear a, a cut off black vest right. unless you're a biker. That's like that's fucking nonsense to me. Um, that is that is nonsense to me. Yeah. It's about you know it's like self expression. You look at you look at punks back in the day wearing donkey jackets, mm-hmm. right? Punks didn't invent donkey jackets. Yeah, donkey jacket was um, like a kind of a pea coat with like a leather shoulder, right? Yeah, it was a it was like a melt and wool uh, working jacket with a. The miners uh, wore them, right? That that's kind of exactly thing. it. So yeah. it was designed for that with reinforced shoulders, reinforced with leather, and they were heavy duty jackets, and the punks would wear them a lot. Why? Well, because you know they were inexpensive. You could pick you could pick them up from surplus stores. Uh, secondly, there was a certain affinity with working class politics amongst punks back at back in the day. Same thing with the new model army guys wearing their Yorkshire clogs. Right, um, you know, again with with the whole sort of crusty thing, um, army surplus clothes. It's like, you know, you look at like um, fucking Forrest Gump, man, and 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 you know, wearing like M sixty fives in America, <laughs> yeah. like uh, Deer Hunter, and, yeah. and all this yeah. sort of yeah. the influence of the the Vietnam War yeah. and the way that military clothes become a county counterculture mm-hmm. uh, expression. So this idea that you can't wear roofer's boots unless you're a roofer. <laughs> <laughs> or you can't wear engineers unless you're a biker or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just a nonsense to me because it's never been like that. Yeah, It's never been like that anyway, right? Clothes are, are more complicated than that. Um, they, have, uh, they have more significance. Uh, they're, they're, they're like flexible. You can do... Um, they can express a whole lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so... The biker thing that Haraki San does um, is really important, right? The clothes wouldn't look like that unless uh, he wouldn't make the things he did, mm-hmm. unless um, unless he had that thing. But that doesn't mean only bikers need to wear them. Well, no, exactly. I mean, notably, if, if I'm being completely honest, other than the kind of all right, the over the over engineering isn't something that's necessarily specific to biking. The over engineering is just that's just 
quality right and and design yeah. and you know yeah. The only thing I can honestly say is that benefits me as a biker is the fact that he will basically put, again, forgive me if I'm getting this completely wrong, but he will put two-way zips on most things that have a zip. Sure. Right? So it's yeah. so as soon as I sit on my, my, my Harley, I sit down and then boop, the bottom comes up and it spreads out rather than bulking up and giving me like a fat belly, yep. basically. Yep. Uh, which, is, that, which is which is which is you're absolutely right man that, that is a biker feature right is why he does that now i mean it's also a feature that is really practical for all kinds of reasons all kinds of reasons <laughs> um, right? uh, yeah. and for everybody in life you know it's yeah. like um it's the reason why um you undo your suit when you sit down it's the reason right. why you know it's like it's the same deal yeah um, it's functional it's absolutely it, functional it's functional and but it, he clearly does it from a biker's perspective and there but are a number works. of other it does there are a number of other things that people often comment on or um, maybe aren't like um, used to or maybe aren't happy with uh, when it comes to Ironheart clothing um, that, that come from this the same place. So this, the, the, the shirts often have um, quite slim arms on them uh, and the jackets too. The arms are often quite tight. Um, the hoodies for that matter as well. And that is because when you're sat there holding your handlebars yeah. you don't want the wind and the wind coming through right coming through your sleeves yeah, and blowing sucks. out and, uh, and all that kind of thing so that's why he makes them like that yeah. um let's think there are there are a few other things as well um that are, that are common oh yeah the length of the arms of course as well on shirts and jackets yeah. so a lot of people long. find them too long and uh, and the reason for that is the same because you're you're the length you need on a shirt when your arms are down by your side or while you're doing whatever is entirely different from when you're holding handlebars with your arms stretched out in front of you mm -hmm. because your the sleeves are going to ride up and exactly. you don't want that when you're riding you know you want you don't want a gap between your your riding gloves and your um and your shirt where you're going to yeah. get cold and so on so the sleeves are longer there's a load of stuff like that i mean for my part it became really obvious to me after I got that second pair of jeans and after I got a shirt and a t-shirt from IH UK and the first shirt was like a, an eye-opener. The first shirt was like a wake-up call. It's like, I just took everything out of the bag. It's like, oh my God, uh, you can cut yourself on this. <laughs> it was something so fresh and solid and... Um, like I was saying before, it's like you have this presence, man. It was like, this is not just something you can walk into a yeah. store and pull off the rack. Yeah. This is, this is, this is, this is a thing. Um, and I was like, why, why would I ever wear anything else? You're fucked at that point, really, aren't you? Ever again. <laughs> I mean, that was it. It's like, I, I, why, why, why am I going to buy anything? It's like, I now need to throw out my entire fucking wardrobe and stuff. <laughs> and you, and that's, but that's what I did. I mean, I made the decision. It's like, I, why would I, why would I buy stuff from anywhere else? It's like, and I knew there were other brands out there. Um, I'd already tried Hyatt. I'd already tried Nudie. I'd already tried Livid. They're great products, 
fine, no problem. They they got me where I was going, but Ironheart was without a doubt next level uh, mm-hmm. in every way. Yeah. And um, I mean, people come to it for the jeans, or uh, increasingly people come to it for the shirts. You know, mm-hmm. there are some people who don't own Ironheart jeans. A lot of people, I think, especially in the US, you know, demographic uh, men between maybe in the twenties and thirties mm-hmm. who will only buy Ironheart shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ironheart make a lot more than that. You know, they make. They make all kinds of different trousers. They have a big cut and sewn range. They have their vests. They have their jackets. They have their winter coats. They have a whole enormous range. And I, they have socks, man. They have socks. They're the best socks I've ever worn. <laughs> I, 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 I realize I'm coming over as a fanboy now. They're, they're, they're work socks. They are, they're the mutts, man. They are really, really good. But to be I fair, it's, it's hard not to because, you know, you know because... As soon as you buy one thing, like this is—I don't know. This is—I don't know if this is a man thing, or if this is completely subjective. But I feel like I couldn't wear um, a UHF with another pair of branded jeans. I feel like you'd fall over. You'd fall over. You'd be top heavy, right? (laughs) (laughs) And then if you're going to go for the UHF and then the 21 ounce, well, you've got to have a pair of double midsole Westcos, right? I mean, that's my thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It just all works. Everything, and and, and suddenly you've got this fucking uniform. You feel bulletproof, you know. Bulletproof is the word that pops up a lot. Does um, it? It does. I've not coined that for phrase. sure. Fuck. No, I'm sorry, uh, but but you're uh, you're now a member of a, a, an honourable club, so uh, so yeah. don't worry about it. Yeah, but bulletproof pops up a lot, okay. and uh, and I agree with it. And this is again going back to the forum. This is a nice thing about the forum. I've been there now for um, six years, and uh, and you people come back to the same thing um, and people say similar things um, about the clothes. Uh, bulletproof is the one thing that comes up. The other thing that comes up, which is kind of funny, is that people who own iron heart jeans have this tendency to um, to touch themselves. <laughs> so like, Hang on a some, minute. Yeah, all right. No, but they're like, sometimes I just like, I'm, I'm sitting there and I realize that I'm just stroking my leg. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and it's like um, and people are looking at me weird but it's, I'm, I'm just feeling my jeans man I'm just feeling how nice my jeans are and, th- and that, that pops up quite often there was a guy only um, a guy called Mike uh, shout out to Filthy from the forum um, who was saying just a couple of days ago that sometimes he just sits there and he touches his jeans thinking this is so nice and looking at the way the light hits them and looking at like the fibres and all this kind yeah. of thing and and goes back to what we were saying before this is something more than you will pick up any other place yeah, it's, it's like uh, it is a different experience and I, 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 I get romantic about it I get all like weirdly spiritual about it and uh, and you don't have to but um, but a lot of people do um, and that feeling of like you say of putting on this this clothing that is so solid uh, that is so well built um, that you you experience wearing it. Mm-hmm. You know, you put this stuff on, you go out in the morning and you can call it bulletproof or you can call it whatever you like, but, but you, you know you're wearing it. You feel galvanized. Um, I have to ask you now in this moment as we're talking about it, um, is there anything you just couldn't get rid of? Is there something that you have in your collection that is so sentimental and <laughs> so uh, has, has that kind of value? Right, there's a couple of things I need to say before I answer that. Firstly, I'm a, I'm a collector. 
right? I, I right. like owning stuff. Um, okay. So I, I, I was gonna build my wardrobe out of iron art, and I did, and and then I built two or three more wardrobes out of iron art. <laughs> <laughs> Ruben has so, a walking wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do, I do. I mean, if if, if this was not just a sound thing, but a, a visual thing soon, that I could do the vision thing and take you in in my wardrobe. Um, but I won't. Um, so I own a lot of stuff, and. Um, that I've picked up over the last six years. Uh, and I love it all, man. I love it all. And I regularly think, need to do a clear out, need to cut some stuff down. Um, and it's really hard to do that because I'm attached to pretty much every item. Seriously, I'm attached have. to all Yeah, yeah, yeah. In some way or another. I mean, and, and in some way or another. Can you pick <sighs> out uh, uh, like one or two or three items that you just like, these are my... These are my children. <laughs> yeah, there's. I can. I will do that. There is one item that doesn't get worn that often, but I will never, ever, ever be without. Uh, and it's a bit of an outrageous item, and and it's special because um, because of how I got it, uh, and because of what it is. Um, it's a vest. It's a, uh, a leather vest, right? Oh. So it's, the, um, it's based on the standard Ironheart work vest cut. Uh, which, which comes is, in like a Wabash comes, generally? You can, yeah, it's like um, it, the, the items that you use it that are always available are, are the Wabash items. Uh, but it's been made in a number of different materials throughout the years. And, uh, and this particular one is made of um, front quarter horsehide. Oh, fuck um, me. Jesus. Right. And as if that wasn't enough, <laughs> it's been dyed in indigo. <laughs> You're joking. No. Right. <laughs> I, am, um, I am not. Can you get a photo of this so we can put it in the, uh, in the description? For sure. This is, For I, sure. Need, I need I to see this. Yeah, everybody needs to see it, man. Everybody needs to see it. It's, it's an absolute work and, and of art. And how did you ascertain this? Right. So, um... When I started as a moderator, there was another guy called uh, Anthony Love. Uh, his handle was Untucked. Um, he was a great guy. Uh, I've had the pleasure of meeting him uh, a couple of times now, Ironheart gigs. He's not around as much anymore. He's got a really busy life, right? Um, but Anthony is uh, quite a guy, and he has an amazing... Uh, sense of uh, fashion and style um, and he's a big fan of Ironheart uh, and he has links to Japan his wife's Japanese and he um, he was stationed out there for a while I think he was a contractor for the American military mm -hmm. so he was out there for a while so he had like a way into Ironheart from the Japanese angle as well mm -hmm. so he um, he knew this thing was being made and apparently Haraki-san made I think maybe there were like 15 of them made ever Right, there was like a small, a medium, a large, and an extra large, right. and there were like three or four of each, no and that was it. And um, and they're a work vest cut. They have copper um, buttons uh, and like this gold thread, gold contrast thread, and 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 they're dyed in indigo. And he saw this and he was like, "I'm gonna have it. I'm gonna have it. No matter what, I'm gonna have it." And they weren't for sale outside of Japan. So he had to, you know, wangle his way in there and score one from Japan. And he did. No 
And this was all, he was, he was writing about this on the forum and I was like gobsmacked. I was like, this thing it is, it is such a rock star vest. Um, <laughs> uh, and I was loving this thing and you, a lot of other people are going, oh, wow, okay, <laughs> that's a bit much. Big, you know? big, big move. <laughs> a big move. <laughs> and, uh, and he was like, nah, this is going to be brilliant. So he got hold of it and he wore it and it was awesome. And I don't know, he didn't like the fit or something. So the yeah. first time I met him, was at an iron art party in I'm gonna say 2016, mm-hmm. but I could be wrong. Um, around there at least, and he had it with him, mm. and he was like, "This is the first time I met him. First time we've been over. First time I'd been over uh, for one of these parties." And he was just like, "Ruben, I brought this along," um, and he's like, "I don't need it," and he's like, "You can have it." No. And I mean, and these things cost stupid yeah, money. crazy money right they're yeah. a serious high yeah. ticket item right? well, you got indigo and front quarter horse hide front quarter horse hide indigo i mean and the level of of, of, of skill needed to yeah. die something yeah. like that indigo Gee, i wouldn't even want to think yeah. no insane so i i don't know how much he paid for it but i i, I have this idea that it was around like a thousand dollars or something okay. like that it was um and he was like, you know, I'm not going to use it, man. Somebody, are you going to use it? Would you use it? And I was like, fuck yeah, I'll wear it. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, well, you can have it. And that just didn't you sit right. Have H A V E. Yeah, yeah. You can yeah, have it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucking he hell, good he said I have it. And I was just like, I was like, no, man, I, I, that I cannot do. Wow. I'm not going to. I'm not going to take it off you for nothing. Wow. Because I, I know how much you wanted this. I know I must pay you to give it away. And he's like, I just want somebody to wear it. So we worked out a deal while we were there. He had another item that he wanted there that was for sale. Mm-hmm. And I said, right, I'll buy you that, you know, and, and, and you give me the best. That's very right? nice of you. Okay. And uh, so, so I think I bought him another vest. <laughs> I think I paid like I think $250 or something for, a, for, a, for another vest. And he gave me that one. And it's, wow. it's incredible, man. It, it, it is. Really? I mean, I, yeah. I just take it out and look at it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely get some photos man because I'm going to put that in the description yeah, for sure yeah I'll, I'll put it on I mean I wear it, it it mostly gets worn up here in the in the spring and summer mostly in the summer yeah with a t-shirt uh, with a waffle with a t-shirt yeah with a t-shirt or with a waffle or you know all that kind of thing uh, no I don't do, I don't do the vest and shirt thing I don't okay. get on with that I do I do bit uniformy bit, um, bit costumey <sighs> just doesn't work doesn't, doesn't sit feel right. right yeah doesn't feel right um my my vest thing goes back to what I was talking about earlier with the uh, the whole crusty punk thing. I used to I used to thrift, um, which I think is the American term Oxfam to me and you. I used to go down to Oxfam and buy old um, old vests, old suit vests, no um, to to combine with my combat trousers yeah. and, uh, and so on. And this is this is, again this is something of the nostalgia that I get with Ironheart is being able to buy things that I would have bought when I was no in way. my teens. I can buy them now as yeah. a somebody in their 40s and look presentable and they're yeah. made properly and there's like yeah I'm not dressing like I did when I was a teen but I'm like channeling some yeah. of of what I was doing then you know so bringing it to present day what are your go-tos at the moment at the moment I am wearing uh the sample pair of uh the sort of the, the new denim that is being released. Um, How did you soon? Is this is this a is this a moderator qu- a, a perk? 
It's a friend of the brand perk, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so the story is... I this mean, isn't the... the inf- well, not the infamous, but this isn't the, uh, the, um, the new... Uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Not neppy, what's the word? No, it isn't. It isn't that one. No, okay. no, not the slubby denim. Slubby, no. thank you. Uh, the, slubby, the slubby denim that, that Giles has been talking about is coming in autumn. Um, along with the re-release of the UHR, which is the Loom State Raw denim. This is exciting, man. This denim is exciting. It's coming now. It's going to be released. The first pair is going to be released in a few weeks' time. And uh, it's maybe controversial, right? Because it's going to be a stretch denim. Oh, wow. Okay, so I'm going to just break right now and say, at the moment, this conversation is happening... The thirteenth of March, right, two thousand and twenty-one. The, the the schedule release is late March, April. So by the time uh, this episode is out, this denim will be out. I would expect so. Yeah. Okay. So it's a so, stretch yeah. denim. Tell us about it's it. It's a stretch denim. So this is like, I mean, in this sort of hardcore sort of denim head world, there are a few things that are not kosher. Uh, and stretch, <laughs> and stretch, and stretch is one of them. Is one of them. All right. Ignition and, does a little bit of stretch, right? Ignition works. Ignition does. Ignition yeah. does. All right. And, that, and that's an interesting point because Ignition is um, is a sister brand to Ironheart. You know, started by Haraki San, um, and in many ways, perhaps what Haraki San thought Ironheart was going to be, you know, a number of years back. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ignition is is made and designed to a greater degree for bikers. Mm-hmm. And his idea is, is that bikers, um, they want to look good. Maybe they want to wear slim, tight-fitting, or, you know, close-fitting denim. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to be sat on the bikes all day, up and down, you know, crouching, uh, attacking, whatever, mm-hmm. they need some stretch in their denim. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, some rigid, salvage, loom state denim is not the best thing for riding it, man. It's like, maybe you want some stretch in there. Right. So he, he, he started using stretch denim in his ignition line. And now he's bringing it to, to Ironheart. Wow. So tell us about it, man. It's, it's great. It's, um, it's like, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'd say I was conservative. Maybe I am a little bit conservative sometimes about my choices, right? So... And I'm a bit of a nerd. I think we've got that established already. So I was slightly skeptical um, when it comes to when it comes to stretch denim uh, as well. Um, but Giles was like, "Listen, I've got the sample pair here. They kind of fit me, but uh, I don't really want to wear them because denim that tight on me is not cool on a on a 60 year old guy." And it's like, and I was like, "What do you think it's cool on a 47 year old guy?" <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, no, no, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Take them, wear them, try them out. Let us know how it goes." So he said, "Well, to be fair, I've got to just break you for a second. To be fair, you have got a youthful vibe. Like the, the like, I'm, I'm going to try and get a photo of you somehow, but." Like the frames you're wearing are really, you look a kind of, you look a bit like Zane Lowe. And that's a good oh, thing. Oh man, that's not, <laughs> thank you. That's one, uh, normally when people say who I look like, it's not as nice as that. Oh no, you, can, you, got, you got the kind of Ironheart hoodie, you've got the waffle on, you know, right. you've got a nice, yeah, yeah. It's, so I can understand why Giles would have gone, this is you. So sorry to interrupt, but anyway, as you were saying. Yeah, he sent this pair out to me and uh, I was kind of excited. Um, they are... 21 ounce and what Haraki-san has done basically is he has 
he's made 21 ounce denim. It looks like 21 ounce denim. Feels like it when you put it on. Um, it fades like 21 standard denim. It, you would not be able to tell the difference. Um, but he has woven uh, a little bit of polyurethane into the cotton, like 1% or maybe 2%, something like that. Just enough to give it a bit of mo movement. And, um, and it's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, it works so well. So, I mean, that pair of 555s I was talking about earlier this evening, that, you know, my second pair that were always a bit tight on me. <laughs> it's like the, this pair has the same dimensions as those. Mm -hmm. um, so whereas those were always felt a little uncomfortable, a little restrictive, these don't. So <laughs> they, they, they fit me really well. Um, they are extremely comfortable and I can still do Kung Fu kicks in them. If I, <laughs> you can. Because I've heard you're an avid Kung Fu kicker. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, you know late on a Friday, who knows? <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, no, you can, you can squat, you can work. I mean, I've, um, I've been renovating a house, um, that I've bought. Uh, recently, and I've been using it as my work jeans there. Really? So yeah, and I mean, and this is like like we were saying, the five four is their slimmest cut, and like I was saying, I'm kind of like relatively heavily built in the uh, in the thigh and in the, thighs, uh, yeah. in the thighs, you know, and I can wear these jeans, and I can rip out you know concrete and bricks, and I can put in flooring, and I can stretch up high, and I can work down low, and I can I have a full range of movement in what is a relatively slim heavyweight denim um it's amazing it's great stuff yeah. Yeah. so it's going to be exciting to see how that goes how they're received but what i think is interesting is this whole like sort of denim head purist thing but it has to be unsanitized and preferably slubby and it has to be salvaged yeah and you shouldn't wash them for at least six months and blah 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 <laughs> it's like um iron heart's never really been there mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. now people who buy iron heart might be there but iron heart as a brand and haraki sound as a maker isn't there mm -hmm. he, he's not he doesn't care about this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. It's like, if the fabric wasn't salvage, but was still high quality, then he'd use that. Mm -hmm. Now, he doesn't use salvage because it's salvage. He uses salvage because it's the best. It's right? the best, right. Um, Ironheart make jeans that aren't salvage. Mm -hmm. um, they sell quite well in Japan. They don't sell massively outside of Japan. Um and, and the non-salvage iron heart is also really good fabric. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, like, iron heart have had raw and samphorized loom state denim. They've had UHR. But sometimes they don't have it. And Haraki sounds like doesn't need it, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and for other Japanese brands, it's, it's an automatic thing that, that, that most denim should be that. But... Mm -hmm. but for Haraki-san, that's not important in and of itself. Um, he prefers uh, denim that, you know, you know what's going to happen when you wash it. Uh, it's sort of predictable and it's functional mm -hmm. and it works, which is why most of Ironheart denim is samphorized. So whereas stretch might seem controversial for some of these denim heads, you know, like for Ironheart, it is, isn't actually that strange. 
because it's about the functionality. Mm. And I think I think if you look at the people who are buying Ironheart, uh, a lot of the demographics there, I think it's going to do pretty well. I think there's a lot of people out there who are going to be ready for that. You think that the you think that the the people who are invested in the brand are going to go for this? <clears throat> I think I think very possibly they're ready for it. But I think people who invest in the brand trust the brand. Uh, and we'll try it based on that trust, on that faith. But I also think that the more casual customers um, out in the world, especially in the American market, are going to appreciate something where sizing isn't as big an issue uh, because, you know, you know that you'll have a little bit of stretch, a little bit of movement, mm-hmm. um, where where there is some predictability. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a big deal in, I think, the States at the moment amongst people younger than I um, wearing relatively close-fitting denim with a taper. Um, and it's going to fit right in for that market. All right, a lot of these American guys in the twenties and thirties, uh, this denim is going to work really well because it's going to give them a flattering profile, you know, without all the complications of samphorized or soaking or whatever. And also, um, you, you and with I think, some movement. I think you're also opening up another window for certain people. So, my friend uh, Tom Boswell might be listening to this. Shout out to Tom if you're listening. Um, Tom's basically a bodybuilder. Right. Tom has he's like. He's like, like his thighs are like bigger than mine and yours put sure. together. Sure, this guy is squatting like two hundred kilos, you know, for for yep. breakfast. Um, and he just can't get on with anything without a bit of stretch. So for someone like Tom, who is basically jacked to fuck, this will be actually a good option for him, right? I'd imagine so. Uh, right. I would really imagine so. So I mean, and yeah, and this is like like you say. I mean, there are there are guys who are. We're big and muscled and, and work out and that and and there's a whole load of us who work out and thighs mm-hmm. are getting bigger man we're all we're all getting like that trying to be our best and right <laughs> exactly and i think that um i think that look at the 888 cut which is a relaxed tapered cut you know um then you can get into that like i say i'm a former rugby player i'm pretty uh, i'm not jacked to fuck but i'm, I'm uh, <laughs> well built yeah and i and i can now wear 555s uh, comfortably um, the one I'm really looking forward to is is that denim in the 666 because I love the 666 cap I love you it you love it yeah uh, there's like this whole Steve McQueen you know uh, sort of tight straight uh, yeah and, but generally a boot, speaking you can fit a boot under them kind of thing you can still yeah. fit a boot on them exactly mm. that I, I love that mm. um, and I can maybe fit a couple of 666 iterations Mm -hmm. because of the vagaries of measurements but generally i just it's a non-starter for me the Mm -hmm. thigh waist ratio just will not work Mm -hmm. but i am in this denim it's going to work and i'm really happy about that so it's going to open up iron heart for a whole load of people going to create a new demographic right denim heads and non-denim heads um absolutely new demographics but also like you say also people who want this kind of gear but haven't been able to find a cut that works Mm. so so for me a cut that i previously really shouldn't wear now becomes doable Mm. uh for your man uh jack um i'd imagine the same thing he'll be able to fit into a pair of iron hearts and wear them comfortably probably you know which he couldn't have done before that's good to know it's good to know so bro just 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 to finish off now um 
what what's uh what's uh what's happening with your with your accoutrements do you do you, do you fuck with good art do you do wesco what's happening in that in that scene for you um uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. all of that <laughs> all of that um my first um uh, my first pair of popper boots were with ibergs um uh and they were nice i still have them i still wear them they were good and um, this was a number of years ago. I think these are six-year-old, seven-year-old boots. Um, I love them. Weiberg, for me, have gone kind of maybe a slightly different route. And uh, and that's where Wesco came in and filled the picture. I love big boots. Love big boots. Love quality footwear. Uh, love wearing something solid on my feet. And Wesco totally fit that bill. So I have too many pairs. Um, to be specific? I think I'm up to six pairs at the okay, moment. Okay, good, um, good effort. With a, with, with a seventh pair on the way. Oh, wow. Um, Chris is building yeah. you another pair? Yes, okay. yes. Ordered through Giles. Um, yeah. So nearly all of them are Boss, but with different toes. Um, okay. So I've got some of a standard Boss toe, a couple with a bump, one pair of Morrison's, uh, and a couple of pairs, or three pairs, I think, with the motor patrol toe. Um, so I love my engineers, I really do. Um, For anyone who's listening, if you do want to do a custom build, you can email um, Alex or Giles. I mean, probably Alex. I think Alex Chesson does the the orders. If you want to order your own pair of Wescos, then Alex will do the order for you. So this is what well, you've done there, right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And but I think now there is actually a page on the website on the IHU is there? website where right. you can go in and start your custom. And you can order. just do it yourself. Great. You can do it yourself, and you can you can sort of establish the parameters by ticking some boxes and that, and then and then one of the guys from Gospel will get in touch with you and, and go through the details with you. Great. Uh, so you can do you can start your custom order on the website. Um, but yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Most of my pairs I've ordered through Ironheart UK. Um, in discussion with Giles and, and I've custom built them and um, it's great it's brilliant to have that range of choice and that like one-on-one um, relationship when you're ordering something like that it's a high ticket item it's gonna you know you want it to meet your requirements you want it to meet your your wishes you're gonna use it for your whole life it's gonna cost you a bit of money so it's good to be able to do it uh, in that kind of tailored environment, um, and they really are boots for life, aren't they? They're incredible, man. I mean, my first pair is uh, oil tanned um, Boss on a on a motor patrol toe. Um, motor patrol being slightly narrower. <clears throat> yeah, tapered. Yeah, tapered, tapered yeah. towards the toes. That's right. Mm. Um, and they're on a double mid. Um, and I order those boats with boots, sorry, with Norway in mind, right? So like ice, snow, um, salted snow, melting snow. They've got to be substantial, right? Uh, at the same time, I, you need traction. So traction. I designed them for that environment and they, they do the job for sure. Um, and I've got a photo somewhere. Uh, a couple of years back, we had a whole load of snow. Um, and because we live on the coast, we get like changing um, weather. So we had all the snow and all of a sudden the storms came in, the rain came in and a whole load of snow melted. And what you get when that happens is flooding, right? Mm. And I couldn't get my car out of the driveway because of all the slush. We couldn't move the car. So I had to walk to work. 
and I put on these boots and I walked to work and it was a, a slog and I got down um, to just by my work and there was something with the road there where the drainage was bad and there was basically a flood it was about five inches deep right of icy cold water and I just think you, and I couldn't go around it there was no way to go around it um, it was either go back or go forward so I went forward in, in these Westcos and I walked through about 30 meters of, of this water and I've got photos of it and they did not leak. <laughs> oh, good. My, my yeah. feet did not, did not get wet. Oh, wow. Um, after a 30 meter walk in, wow. in, in icy cold water. Amazing. So that's what they're built for, man. And, and, yeah. and they, they're, they're great boots. Yeah. yeah, they really are. And uh, just for the um, just for the kind of real iron he- iron heart guys, um, what are you going to be um, dipping into in the uh, in the next collection? Well, what are you thinking? Like the spring summer that's coming. Yeah, out? spring summer. Anything you're kind of the spring for? summer collect- collection is like I always love it, but it's like it's often not the collection for me because of where I live. Because of you, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, so. I just don't have that much use for a lot of the lighter stuff. That being said, it's always Iron Heart, so it's always kind of heavy anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm a vest guy, so there are these. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So there are these uh, vests made out of the 14 ounce loop wheeled hoodie fabric. Yes. That have just been released. Uh, they've just been released in black and they're coming in indigo. So I'm going to get one of them. Yeah, they're uh, nice, right? I don't think they've not done anything like that before, right? No. Uh, well, actually, um, in Japan, they have released some work vests made of that 14 ounce loop wheel, but they've uh. never been released in for the rest of the world. They've been uh. Japanese only products. Um, so I managed to snag one of them uh, a while back, but uh, so th- it's great stuff for vests. So I'm, I'm looking at one of them. There's another vest coming out, which is like a beach vest. Yeah, the um, old Browns Beach style. Yep. Yeah, so I, I have an Ironheart one from a number of years back, which is lovely. This is the same vest, but it's got this lovely like tobacco tan um, leather pockets mm-hmm. on it, which is a nice touch. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Fancy that. There's some amazing shirts coming out. But um, there are some really special shirts coming out. Okay. But those two vests are, are on my list. And the final thing is the 666 in the Shimiyaka denim, right? What I was talking about before. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. So we've got to keep our eye out for this particular denim then. And you, you've had the privilege of uh, actually wearing it, trialing it. Really is a privilege. I mean, it's like I'm, I'm a lucky, lucky guy. There were, there were two pairs made. There were two. two pairs made, the same size, both in the 555 cut. And um, one pair are being worn by one of the guys who runs um, one of the brick and mortar stores in Japan. And the other pair is being worn by me. Oh, mate, come on. <laughs> Royalty. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. It feels pretty good, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it does. Oh. Well, listen, Ruben, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Can anyone catch you on Instagram or Facebook? Yeah, or anything yeah, like that? yeah, yeah, yeah. What's mean, your I'm, handle? Uh, Ruben QC on, uh, on Instagram. Um, and I enjoy my Instagram. That's the only social media I really do. Um, just low-key denim stuff. I just like posting my Ironheart gear on there. And, and that whole Instagram denim community is uh, a positive place. I enjoy that. Uh, Facebook, I don't do. Uh, otherwise, people need to get onto the forum and come and visit us there because we're um, we're really nice people and it's a great place. It's a very positive place. I like to say that um, 
it's probably the nicest place on the internet. It's like people are just, you know, good people there and you don't get any of the snark or any of the pressure or any of the uh, negativity that you maybe get on other uh, social media platforms. Uh, it's just um, good people who love the brand and like talking about it. Perfect. And they'll be, and, and you'll, is it you or is it Giles that will okay them if they apply? Uh, they they join up, they get okay. There's Giles that does that bit. And then Giles and I normally come along and say hello. And after that, it's just um, dive in there. We have a load of, of new members over the last few months. It's, um, it's great. There's like new guys joining all the time. Um, and they're active and they post and they talk and... It's um, it's an exciting place to be if you, if you like the brand. Perfect. Or if so, you're interested in the brand, for that matter. Amazing. So hit up. If you're not on the forum, get on it. Giles will okay you and let you in. And uh, there'll be a myriad, a Rolodex of uh, interesting conversations to be had. Absolutely. <laughs> Ruben, it's been a real pleasure talking to you, bro. You too, Ollie. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed myself immensely. Me too, man. Me too. Listen, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see each other very soon. Have a beer together, man. Sure. Hopefully Big party in year. Gosport. Oh, yep. Imagine that, eh? Soon. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. You've been listening to Ironcast, the official Ironheart International podcast. A big thank you to Ruben Cleaver. Ironcast is an island-to-island production, hosted and edited by me, Ollie Walker. We hope you enjoyed listening, and we look forward to dropping episode 9 very soon. Take care.